Hello and welcome to another edition of the Big Recon on Sports Podcast. I am your host, I am the Big Recon, and today is Friday, September the 27th, 2019. And I come to you with our second week in review of the two football teams that I follow. Of course, Saturday, Ohio State winning 76-5 over Miami of Ohio, and then the debacle that was the Browns' seven-point loss to the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday night. I'm going to get into my thoughts on the performance of both the Buckeyes and the Browns this past weekend. And then at the end, we're going to get into what I feel is some of the most unfair is not the right word. Garbage is a better word. Um, Hot take need is another thing I can say. And that's all the stuff that's come out of ESPN this week about the Browns and things that have gone on in general this year. Going to give my opinion on why I think the Browns are where they are. Look, I have tried in the year plus that I've done this podcast, including when I've done shows with Frank from uh, Clubhouse and with the guys from SCG and, of course, our AFC North preview I did, I try not to give the hot take. I try and really find where I think things are and back up everything I say. I don't believe that's coming out of ESPN anymore. But I'm going to go more into that at the end. So we're going to start with what was an interesting Saturday afternoon. I say interesting because I didn't get to the game itself until after Miami had gone up 5-0. The Ohio State came out flat after I watched the uh, highlight packages. It looked to me in their last non-conference game of the year. Um, they had they got pinned back after Miami moved the ball really well. They had a ball go through the end zone for a safety, and then Miami moved the ball back down the field, kicked the field goal. It was 5 nothing Miami with, I think, seven or eight minutes left in the first quarter. And then the Buckeyes kicked the doors in. 76 unanswered points by the Ohio State Buckeyes on Saturday against Miami of Ohio. Now, a lot of people will say, oh, they played Miami. They're not that good. They're not this. I'm not disagreeing with anything anybody says about that. I'm a firm believer in playing teams that you have a chance to lose a game to at all times in the college football season just to prove how good you are. But I don't make the schedule for any teams. So this year, of course, Ohio State opened with FAU, big win. Then they played their second game of the year, another bad team, another big win. Then they went to Indiana for week three um, and had the big win in the conference opener. Then they come home to Miami, Ohio, and they put a whooping on them. That second game was against Cincinnati, by the way. This team right now, Joel Klatt, who is one of my favorite college football analysts, even said it. He's seen him twice. This is the best team he's seen this year. I'm going to put the brakes on Joel for a minute, and I'm going to say this. Ohio State looks great. The things that Justin Fields is doing is out of this world. But put the brakes on. Ohio State hasn't been tested yet. They have a wonderful, wonderful team. The defense has decided to show up this year. I mean, it's uncanny 
how good this defense is. Then you have the offense under Fields, who we thought we, we didn't. He was an unknown commodity. Yes, he was the number one ranked prospect two years ago. Trevor Lawrence was number two. Yes, he didn't win the job at Georgia. Yes, he's a transfer. He's just learning the offense. 19 touchdowns responsible for and zero turnovers. Those are big numbers for Justin Fields. The reason I think Justin Fields has been this successful this quickly, one of them is his running back. That is J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins is a true junior. Was one the first, I believe, true freshman running back to start at Ohio State since Maurice Claret in his first year. He went for 1,403 yards his first season, which included a Big Ten Championship game MVP, the Grange Griffin Award. His second year anchored another Big Ten Championship team, went over 1,000 yards again last year. More attempts, less yards, but I think that had more to do with the fact that Ohio State was a passing team last year with Dwayne Haskins. This year, 68 attempts, 477 yards, a 7 yards per carry average. Why? Because they can't take their eyes off the quarterback. These two guys are helping themselves. J.K. Dobbins became one of a handful of backs in the history of Ohio State. He's over 3,000 yards. Take that back. He's just about to 3,000 yards. Um, Was it 1403 and 1053 is 2456 and 477. He will break the 3,000 yard mark sometime in the first half on Saturday against Nebraska. He has had a phenomenal career at Ohio State. He has been the go-to back this year to go with Master Teague, who has been a phenomenal player as well. Ohio State's offense is cooking on all cylinders. Chris Olave picked up right where he left off in the Michigan, both the Michigan game and the Big Ten Championship game, and then again the third one, the Rose Bowl, where he caught a big pass. And he's been great. Austin Mack coming off an injury. Was one of Dwayne Haskins' more reliable targets last year to go with Paris Campbell and Terry McLaurin. K.J. Hill has been a wonderful leader in that wide receiver room and they got freshmen coming behind it. The one kid, and I can't remember his name and it's driving me nuts right now, caught a pass five yards downfield and went for 61 and he was gone. You thought Paris Campbell was running the route. Fields has been phenomenal with the football. He's not turning it He's not turning it over. He is picking his spots when he want, needs to run and he's giving it to Dobbins when he doesn't see an opening for himself. The offense is clicking on all cylinders, but I want to talk about the defense. The Ohio State defense last year was an aberration. I have been an Ohio State fan since the late 90s, having moved to Northeast Ohio in 93 and really not picked up college football until shortly thereafter. The one thing I remember about Ohio State football that really turned me on to it was a guy by the name of Andy Katzenmoyer. Katzenmoyer was a linebacker. He was the big star after Eddie George won the Heisman. They didn't have quarterbacks, really, until recently that were phenomenal like that. Start with about Terrell Pryor. But the defense was always tough. You had the national championship team that beat Miami. Why did they beat Miami? Because the defense just didn't allow them to get going. 
You had the defenses captained by guys like A.J. Hawk, Malcolm Jenkins, James Laurinaitis. You had defensive stoppers, the Bosa brothers, and now Chase Young. Last year, the defense didn't show up. This year, the Buckeye defense has shown up. They've gone from their man scheme into a more of a zone scheme, and they're letting athletes like Damon Arnett play free. Now, Arnett was told by Chris Carter, who is not only a NFL Hall, a football Hall of Famer, but he's also an Ohio State legend, having played wide receiver there in the 80s. Chris Carter said he needed to stay in school. He did. And Arnett has been outstanding. They've got to keep it up. They've got to do this against teams that can play with them. And test number one is going to be Saturday night on ABC against Nebraska. My son is spending the weekend this weekend with me. I'm picking him up tomorrow. And I said to him, we can do whatever you want Saturday afternoon. We can do whatever you want Sunday. Ohio State is on on Saturday night. He's not happy with me. So be it. Uh, This will be the measuring stick going into... Uh, Nebraska, which will be a hostile environment. It will be Aaron Martinez had a great game against them last year in the horseshoe. It was a tough game because the defense kept giving up big plays. I really think they're going to pass their first test and get the W this weekend. Miami. Miami's not a test. Indiana, in my opinion, is not a test. Cincinnati, FAU, not a test. This will be the first test. Ohio State has a not an easy schedule coming up. They play Nebraska this week, and then they start getting toward where they're going to start running the gauntlet. As I mentioned in the last episode, it's almost time for that to start. Nebraska this week, home for Michigan State the week after, and they go to Evanston, and then they're home for Wisconsin before the bye on November 2nd. They're getting into the teeth of their schedule, and now they will be tested. I don't think any of these teams have the defensive power to stop the offensive weaponry Ohio State has, but that's yet to be seen. The first test is Saturday night. Moving on now to Sunday. Let's start with this. The Los Angeles Rams, I don't believe are as good as people think they are. The Cleveland Browns were without seven starters on Sunday night. They were without their entire starting secondary. And I'm not just talking about Greedy and Denzel Ward. I'm talking the two safeties and the two corners were out. And that Browns defense showed up. What a phenomenal game. I know everybody's panicking. And I know there's guys like... Grant from Cleveland Surge saying Baker needs to be... Baker's not a franchise quarterback. Everybody needs to slow their roll. This team is exactly who I thought they were. Here's why I say that. I thought they'd have offensive line issues. I really did. I thought when I saw that they weren't playing together in the preseason, they were going to have continuity issues. This was game one without David Njoku. They have rhythm issues in the passing game because they haven't played together. Guys, Browns fans, slow your roll. It's week three. And let's put it this way. Even when Joe Thomas picked the games 
that the Browns were going to win or lose. He had them at 2-1 and one after 3. Now, 18 penalties for 182 yards, you aren't going to win those football games. What you are going to do is beat yourself. So now the Browns have beaten themselves and lost a game to a team that was in the Super Bowl last year. This was not a Los Angeles Rams team back when they were in St. Louis going 0-16. This was the NFC representative in the Super Bowl last year. Now, they didn't show up in the Super Bowl, and that's on them, but they were at full strength on Sunday night. Let's start here. Yes, Baker had issues on Sunday night. Here was Baker's first issue. That was Aaron Donald on the other side of an offensive line that at times has resembled a cheesecloth and or a sieve. It is not a good pass-blocking offensive line. I believe they can be a good run-blocking offensive line. So I think you help Baker by giving Nick Chubb the ball. Um, But these were known issues. When Baker was getting the ball out quick, he was making good throws, making good reads. When he had to hold the ball, you can only hold Aaron Donald for so long. And the offensive line couldn't do that. Is the Ravens' defense as good as the Rams? I don't think so. I think they have more deficiency, Earl Thomas notwithstanding. I really believe C.J. Mosley leaving there is a big hit to them. Um, But here's what's going right for the Browns. Man, that defense is nasty. Joe Schobert and that linebacking core has been out of sight. Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon and Sheldon Richardson and Larry Ogunjobi. Holy cow, this could be the best D-line in the league. Garrett is an absolute monster. Olivier Vernon is healthy, and he has someone taking away all of the looks he was getting when he was with the Giants when Pierre Paul couldn't stay on the field because Garrett's on the field. I mean, it's just insanity. Garrett was big in the run game. He forced one. They forced two turnovers on Sunday night. Didn't turn him into a lot of points, but Garrett forced the one turnover, and he had the pressure on Goff to force the other. He has been an absolute godsend to this franchise and this fan base because this dude is playing like a number one pick. He has been awesome, and the defense has been awesome. And when they get their starting defensive secondary back as a full unit, this defense will be absolutely phenomenal. And as in the past, Cleveland Brown football will be pushed by its defense. Here's the big picture. Do you know what happens if the Cleveland Browns win on Sunday? Which I think they will. I think they'll beat Baltimore. The Cleveland Browns are in first place in the AFC North. So I ask the question again of everybody who follows the Browns that listens to my podcast. What exactly did you think was going to happen? Why are you throwing in the towel already? There is no reason. I still feel this team will go 10-6. and I still feel this team will win the division. And I still feel they will do it by not only... I believe... 
not only sweeping both Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, but if they win on Sunday, I don't see any reason they can't just sweep the divisional games. The Ravens are going to be a tough out. We will talk about the Ravens some point next week. But I think the Browns win this game. On January 21st, 2019, I turned 40 years old. This month, ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports, also turned 40 years old. I am the generation of ESPN. I am the generation that went to bed and woke up to Sports Center every single day. I remember Stuart Scott's first Sports Center. I remember when ESPN2 debuted. I remember when ESPN News debuted. I remember watching baseball games that Chris Berman would call. And the back, 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 back was the song of my summer because my Mets would be on ESPN. That's the only time I saw them when I lived in Cleveland. I remember watching the funny sports in the middle of the night when I was sick as a kid. I remember Linda Cohn and Robin Roberts and Charlie Steiner. I remember watching Barry Melrose as a coach on TV on ESPN and then finally coming over as an analyst. I am the generation of ESPN. I am the generation of 24-hour sports that started it all. I am sad to say I get very little of my sports news from ESPN anymore. And this past week has been a major reason. Let's rewind to Sunday. The New York Giants made their knee-jerk reaction and started Daniel Jones at quarterback against Tampa Bay. The Giants came back from being down 18 points and won. And now all of a sudden, Daniel Jones is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Look, the kid had a great first game. But it's one game against a team that, in my opinion, has a lot of flaws. And he hasn't done it for a full season. There's no tape on Daniel Jones. And then you turned on ESPN on Monday morning. Now, for those of you who don't know, I grew up a Jet fan. Being from upstate New York, my father is still a Jet fan. We still ask him why. And... My favorite coach of my time being a Jet fan was Rex Ryan. On my honeymoon, I read his book. Rex is a wonderful football coach. Rex is a funny, funny man. Rex Ryan went to the edge of stupid on Monday. And in the context he said it, The reaction from my newest favorite person, Pat McAfee, was hysterical. Go to YouTube, look at the Get Up feed from Monday. Rex called Baker Mayfield overrated as hell, and I thought Pat McAfee was going to lose his mind. He said, you got Baker Mayfield who's overrated as hell. Pat McAfee goes, whoa, whoa. The knee-jerk reaction and the hot take that ESPN has become is sickening to me. And then it got worse. Then Marcus Spears, who was also an analyst there, because everybody who played football can be an analyst at ESPN. 
he decided that he was going to run his mouth as well. Well, guess what? Marcus Spears said Daniel Jones is better than Baker Mayfield. Hey, Marcus, let me ask you something. Baker Mayfield didn't play the first two and a half games of his rookie season. And he set the rookie record for touchdown passes, breaking it from who? Oh, that's right. He broke Peyton Manning's record. You know, the guy who's in the conversation for the greatest of all time. Then it just kept getting worse. Baker clapped back, so Rex clapped back. It, It gets to the point where I am just sick of it. Everybody knew what was going to happen. Everybody knew how they were going to play. And the worst part is, no one wants to talk about it. We all knew that the Browns were going to have problems. Gelling and playing, and we get it. But to throw a hot take out there after one game, I'm sorry, you're in the media now. You're supposed to be a part, a member of the media and a quasi-journalist. That's irresponsible. If Daniel Jones goes out and breaks Baker Mayfield's record, and then he has a better start to his second year, then we can talk. I don't think Daniel Jones will be a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield, especially now that Saquon Barkley is out. So I'm going to wind this up with a couple of things. We're going to come to you next week with two episodes. One is going to be the 2019 Mets wrap-up, which I don't know if I'm going to do a YouTube or Facebook live event or if I'm just going to do a podcast. I would love to do a live event so I can get questions about it, especially after tonight. Pete Alonso has tied the all-time rookie record with his 52nd home run. Uh, the record Aaron Judge set two years ago that he broke from Mark McGuire back in the mid-80s. And we're going to come to you with our next week of football review. Of course, the big Ohio State game on Saturday night and the big first divisional game for the Browns on Sunday. As always, the Big Recon on Sports can be found on Google, on Anchor, on Breaker, on Pocket Casts, on Radio Public, on Spotify, on Facebook, Big Recon on Sports, on YouTube, Big Recon on Sports, and of course, my own personal Twitter handle, at Big Recon on Sport on Twitter. Look for the two episodes next week, wrap the Mets season, do the football one, and I'm going to preview the MLB playoffs after the wild card game. I'm going to get into each um, each division series, make my picks, and then shortly thereafter, right around the beginning of November, we'll do the Major League Baseball Awards show, and we'll start talking the hot stove, all while doing the football every week. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.